Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. Today, we are answering your minimalist lifestyle questions to help you let go and gain more. We recently asked you questions on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Millennial Minimalists, including what do you find difficult letting go of? And what is one area of excess that you are working on but feel stuck? And today in this one-on-one discussion, we share our tips and suggestions from our own research and lifestyle experiences. Some of the areas of excess that we touch on include how to let go of memorabilia, sentimental items, greeting cards, gifts you don't need or want, just-in-case items, expensive items that aren't selling, excess kitchen stuff and office supplies, and the junk in your drunk drawers, and much more. Plus, we take a deep dive into the topic of relational clutter, specifically how to let go of or manage friendships that are no longer serving you. And thanks to receiving a ton of questions from you, we decided to share this episode in two parts. And in part two, we share our responses to our third question, which was, ask us anything. It's especially a fun one, so please stay tuned. Be inspired to reflect on the excess in your life, let go, and gain more. Enjoy. Well, I am so excited to get into our episode today. We decided that we would do another Q&A. We love asking you what your questions are around minimalism, and we ended up sharing three questions actually on our Instagram page and our Facebook page, but we also sent an email out to those who subscribe to our website at mastersimplicity.com to submit their questions as well. So we actually got an overwhelming number of questions, which I'm so grateful for. And so thank you so, so much for submitting them. And today is going to be part one of a two-part Q&A as we received, again, so many questions. So our first question to you was, what do you find difficult to let go of? And our second question was, what is one area of excess that you're working on, but you feel stuck? And then our third question was, ask us anything. And that question went wild. Everyone had so many questions for that one. And so we're going to make that a a complete separate episode. But today we're going to get into the first two. So what do you find most difficult to let go of? And a common response was memorabilia. And Lauren and I were not shocked. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I feel like memorabilia and sentimental items kind of go hand in hand. When I first read that, I'm like, do I own any memorabilia? I don't know if I do. (laughs) But I, I feel like with things like this, I kind of put together a five step question that you can ask yourself. So number one is, can you actually use it? Because the reasons why we're like toying with getting rid of it or not is because we realize that we probably aren't using it. It's not something we really need. Mm -hmm. So if you're maybe it's a sweater from college, can you wear the sweater sometimes? Maybe it's a picture of a trip. Can you frame it and use it as decor in your home? Like, can you Mm -hmm. actually make it of use in your life? And if you can't, can you take a picture of it and then donate it? Would a picture be sufficient for you to like ignite that memory of what is sentimental to you? And if that's not enough and you still really want to keep it, then I would give yourself a space, like a box or a container that you want to store things like memorabilia or sentimental items. 
and give yourself a limited amount of space so that you have to decide what's most important and most sentimental to you. And then the rest that you would have to donate or, you know, let someone else use and get use out of. So putting these practices in place kind of gives you a reason to use it or know whether to let go of it or not, whether you can just take a picture or it gives you a limited amount of stuff that you can actually keep. Because there's certain things like I still want to keep my degree, the actual piece of paper that I was Mm -hmm. given and my favorite book from undergrad, I still have the hard copy of it. It's like little things like I don't want to get rid of. They still mean something to me, but I just have one small box of these sentimental items. And the more, you know, you accumulate, the more decisions you're going to have to make. There's also a really good YouTube video. It's called Decluttering Memorabilia, how a professional organizer guides a client through the process. So we can put the link in the show notes. And the YouTuber's name is Teresa Elling. She does a really good job. Awesome. We'll definitely include that. Now, some questions I recommend people ask themselves is, you know, can I use this item? Is it useful to me? Does it serve a function in my life? Or will it take up space and collect dust? Is it something also that I no longer feel attached or care for? You know, sometimes we have memories that we want to hold on to. And then over time, we start to lose to lose our connection to those items. So it's good to go through those items every year. And two, you can ask the question, does this item spark memories still? And if so, do I need to hold on to this item in order to remember it? You know, like you said, Lauren, can I just take a picture of it or can I just keep it in my memory? Sometimes even taking pictures of things will cause some clutter digitally, right? So do you really need an image? Can you just remember it? And maybe you have a ton of stuff. Can you just choose a couple of items from all of that stuff to spark those memories? And maybe there's some items that you can sell or donate. Ask yourself, can someone else get more value or use out of this item? And something I I love to talk about is how, you know, the less you own, the less you have to clean. You've always said that, Lauren, the less you own, the less you have to clean. So remember that when you're going through memorabilia. And if you're thinking, okay, what kind of memorabilia do I own? You know, it's trinkets from trips, you know, those little accessories that you buy when you go and travel. Uh, It's printed photos. You can get those printed photos. If you have tons of photo albums, you can actually digitize them. So Go through those photos, declutter them, and then digitize the ones that you really care about. And sometimes we get items that are passed down from loved ones. But again, just choose a couple of items. You don't need all of that stuff to remember that person in your life. Yeah. Teresa, actually, in the video I was talking about, said that when something happens sooner, like if someone passed away, everything is really important. But mm-hmm. 10 years down the road, it's it's not as recent of an event. So it's less things are important. Maybe those first date concert tickets are important, you know, a year in, but 10 years in, it's like, who cares? Throw them in the garbage. <laughs> so yes. the sooner the event happened, you're you're more likely to have more of an attachment to it. So maybe just give yourself time with the stuff too. Yeah. This goes great into our next question. The next question we received was sentimental items such as first date movie tickets, a proposal dress, an engagement dress, sentimental kids clothing items. And I was like, okay, this is a good question. So to respond, as I've mentioned in the past, I have a memory box and I've kept a few keepsake items over the years in it, like concert tickets, autographs from some of my favorite authors and celebrities and other random memories that I've wanted to keep 
But again, I go through it every single year, Lauren. And so I've been able to keep it to that one box size because every year those items become less valuable, as you said. Yeah. And in terms of larger bulky items like a proposal dress or an engagement dress or even a wedding dress, if they don't fit and you know you won't wear them often or at all, let them go. Donate or sell them to someone else who could get great use out of them. And, and focus forward, create new memories and new outfits. Sometimes we hold on to things that keep us in the past. Focus on the outfits of the future. You don't need that engagement dress. I thought that was really interesting that someone would keep their engagement dress. Is that a thing? I, I had no idea. But let yeah. it go. Let someone else have that same experience in that dress. Have, that, have those items live on. And, and lastly, in terms of kids' clothing items, again, donate or sell those items to another who can get great use out of those items. And ask yourself, will my kids remember these items or care for them? Likely not. You know, when I think about my childhood and the clothing items, I, I don't miss any of that, right? And so you're, maybe you feel like you need to keep it close to you, but your kids probably don't want it or care, care to know that you kept something. Yeah. And like you're saying with the proposal and the engagement dress, those events were likely photographed. So you, you have memories of them, especially of you in the clothing. So yeah. if you're not wearing it anymore, I would, like you said, try to wear it, like try to wear it to the next event. And if you can't, or if it doesn't fit, or if you don't like it anymore, then it probably is time to get rid of it. And someone said with the kids clothing, it's something they may, they might want for their kids. Mm-hmm. So go and ask your kids, would you want this stuff for mm-hmm. your kids? Because they might be like, no, I don't want that. Get rid of it. I feel like my parents have kept a lot of my stuff from when I was a kid. And I'm like, why are you keeping this? I don't want it. Yeah. Like Some of it's embarrassing, like my yearbooks and just stuff like that. It's like, you can get rid of this stuff. But it's like it's sentimental to them or like stuff I made when I was a kid. But if they're keeping it because they think I want it, then they should have, you know, asked me. But did your parents keep of any of your kid stuff, your toys or maybe a rocking chair or things like that, that they maybe are thinking they want to pass down to you once you have kids, Lauren? Yeah, there are a few things mm. that I, I might have my kids use, I don't know, but I probably won't. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. And so I think a lot of parents struggle with this. Even my parents, they, they held on to all of those things, hoping that my sister, my brother and I would have children. None of us have children yet. I I believe my brother will, uh, sooner than my sister and I, but if we do choose to have kids and I think I'm like, it's so nice that they kept that stuff. But at the same time, I don't think that it's worth the cost of storing it because yeah. those things are are taking up space. They're collecting dust. And a lot of the time, those items are replaceable. You can just buy something rather than having it sit in the basement for 20 years. You could just buy that $100 item when you need it, you know, or buy something secondhand from a friend of yours. That being said, my parents did keep this little stuffed animal that I received when I was first born it's in a picture with me when I was a newborn. And I love that, that one item that I can take with me when I, if I have a child, right? That one little stuffed animal, but in terms of the rocking chair and my mom kept like a jolly jumper and all these things. And then we finally had a discussion with her about how, you know, these items, we can just get them secondhand one day, you know, give them to someone who needs them now. And so she ended up donating those items and, you know, there was a piece of me that still 
really wanted to keep that rocking chair from when my sister and my brother and I were siblings or were kids, but uh, we're, we're babies. But I thought to myself, it's okay. Someone else can get great use of it now. I also don't know if I want children one day, so I'm still working that out. So it makes more sense to let that live on. Yeah, no, for sure. And like, it, it's crazy to think to store something, especially big items for like 30 years, mm-hmm. hoping they might get use in the future. Like imagine they don't, what a waste that would have been. So yeah. 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 Well, it kind of was. She kept it yeah. all up until like a couple of years ago and we're all yeah. in our thirties. <laughs> so it's funny. Uh-huh. Um, so the next question we received was, you know, what I find le- difficult letting go of are greeting cards or birthday or holiday cards. Please help. So as Laura and I like to say, we believe that the gift is in the act of giving. So as so, once you receive the card and message, we believe that it's up to you if you'd like to keep it. You know, you can take a picture of it. You can just keep it in your memories. And remember that the gesture, that's, that's the whole point is that gesture. And you'll, you'll remember that gesture. But again, if it's someone who's like incredibly meaningful to you and it's something that you do want to keep and remember – Keep hold on to that memory. Maybe you can keep that card, but remember that if you're going to keep that card, put it into like a memory box like I have and go through it every single year so that you're not accumulating so much stuff. And again, as you said, Lauren, we lose interest and feel less attached to those things over time. Yeah, I feel greeting cards are hard. To be completely honest, I kind of stopped doing them. Like I, I know. Yeah, I just I love that about you. Because it's just like, I know they're just gonna throw it in the garbage. Do you remember that little video you sent me where the guy gives the guy a greeting card and he reads it and goes to throw it in the garbage right away? And he's like, What are you doing? Yes, like you put that in a stack of papers and get rid of it in six months, (laughs) like the rest of us. But it's so true. It's like you know, you, you could just get them whatever gift you're going to give them and say what you want to say in a card. But with that being said, I I have kept a few cards. I have a friend who writes me really funny cards and and I I just like them because I want to keep them and read through them. You could also, if someone writes you something really nice in a card, again, you can take a picture of what they said and then get rid of the card. Or if it's like a really beautiful card or sentimental, then yeah, you could store it with your paper storage but again like mm-hmm. decide which ones you really want to keep and maybe give yourself a limit be like you can keep 10 or like 25 like mm-hmm. but no more like and once you bring in more you got to get rid of some of the other ones i agree yeah but you know there is something beautiful to be said about looking back at cards that were written to you especially if they include long messages it's so beautiful yeah they but again you can snap a photo and yes. just read through them in the picture yes yeah, it's true. It's true. If you keep those all on your Google Drive or something like that and check out yeah, the Yeah, be organized. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I, I mean, I'm a card person. I love cards. And I guess I suppose someone could communicate, oh, just send me an e-card. It goes a long way. I just, for me, I guess I'm a little bit more old school and traditional in the sense that if it's a birthday, I really appreciate a card. If it's a holiday, I really appreciate a card. And sometimes it's just a text message that people send. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I'll yeah. take it, you know, depending on how close someone is to you. But um, cards definitely go a long way for me. But definitely be careful about how many cards you accumulate. You know, sometimes like my sister, she's very um, simple. Like she'll just get a card that already has a saying and then she'll just sign it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> It's those cards that we can let go of, right? Because there isn't a lot of, there isn't a lot of messaging in there. So to keep hold of. 
So the next question is another area that someone has trouble letting go of is things I've paid a lot of money for and I've put up online on various online marketplaces to sell, but no one's buying. Oh, I know how you feel. I have been there. And oh my gosh, you put something up that you paid a lot of money for and it's just sitting there and you're like, where are these notifications? I'm not seeing them. Like, why isn't anybody hitting? (laughs) And so I recommend number one, making sure you put that item up on all sources, Facebook Marketplace, Kijiji, Craigslist, Poshmark. There's also this company called Max Sold where they auction your items and blast on social media as well. Maybe some of your friends want to buy it or maybe you can donate it to them if you're open to that and we'll get there. I recommend giving yourself 30 to 40 days max to sell your items. And if you haven't sold them by day 30 or 40, you make sure that you set a goal that you're going to donate those items. That way you're not bringing that item back and you just forget about it. And then it just sits there again for a couple of years collecting dust. And remember that there is a cost to storing that item in your closet. It not only takes up space, it's also mental space looking at it every day. And, you know, I know it costs a lot of money. And this is what I tell myself when I can't sell something that I spent a lot of money. I'm just like, you know what? I can give it to someone who can use it. And that feels really good. You get a really good helper's high from that. And Lauren, it's also a good learning lesson. It's like, don't buy something that's this expensive if I'm not going to wear it. So it will help you make better purchases in the future. Yeah, for sure. No, those are really good tips. Another thing you can do is, which I see this online a lot, mm-hmm. like Facebook Marketplace, it has the price or best offer. So it oh. like lets people know that they can like negotiate with you. Um, you can lower the price, which, you know, at least you'll feel like you got something for it and then you still got to get rid of it. And there's places that you can take stuff into they'll buy it off of you and then they'll sell it secondhand for you. So maybe you're not getting as much money, but again, you're still getting something. Yeah. Consignment Um, shops. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're popping up around Toronto. I walked by one the other day. They were selling like jewelry and electronics. I'm like the secondhand market is going to be booming here. It is. Yeah. I was just in Calgary and I walked by a store in this area called Kensington that I was staying in for a few weeks. And I was like, wow, like this store is really nice. There's a lot of great things. It's amazing how that works. You, so basically you drop it off and they sell it and then you get a cut of whatever they sell it for. It's great. Um, this is such a funny story. I was in a really nice store in the Hamptons with my dad one time. This was a long time ago. Okay. And there was a designer bag. And I was like, dad, that bag is like 2,500 bucks. And he's like, what? Yeah, your dad can't then, believe it. They could, he was like, in no. disbelief. And then when we left and I'm like, and you know what else? He's like, what? I'm like, that was secondhand. And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> so funny. The, the stores are really popular and it was really busy in the store too. So I feel like people are really on to secondhand. So those are just a few options. I've definitely been there. It takes a long time. You're like reposting the ad, answering people's questions, but yet set a date, try lowering the price, see if you can drop it off somewhere. And then if it gets to a point, you can just give it away for free or donate it. That is so funny. I wish I could yeah. see your dad's face. It was he tells everyone the story too. <laughs> <he> really? <laughs> I'm like, that's not even that inexpensive a bag considering what's out there. I own one high quality clutch, as you know, and I don't told my dad, I'm like, Hey, this, this is the cost. He's like, no. I was like, yeah. He's like, what a waste. I'm like, 
<laughs> it was a gift. It's not something that I purchased, but it, I, I don't see it as a waste. I see it as a high quality item that I can pass on to my own daughter one day or maybe a uh, niece one day. Who knows? You know, it's nice to have stuff that lasts a long time. Yeah, I wish my mom was handing me down designer bags. She's like, here's an old dusty stuffed animal from the basement. <laughs> I'm like, no thanks. <laughs> we both have moms that don't have designer bags. Yeah. Oh, I she would never. <laughs> no, no, no. It's funny. <laughs> and 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 <laughs> so the next question is. I have trouble letting go of beautiful things in my home like vases or vases. I don't use them at all, but I fear I might miss them. So this person has a few vases in their house and they're really nice. But again, she rarely uses them. So my recommendation is that if you don't use them, you don't need more than one. And I know that there are different floral arrangements, but again, if you don't use them often, it's just nice to have one standard size that fits flower arrangements. Or if you think you're going to receive larger and smaller bouquets, keep one larger and one smaller. And if they're really, really nice items, think about donating or gifting them to family members or friends. They'll really appreciate it. A vase is a really, really nice gift. And you can also sell these items and use the money to invest in things that you do need and that you can use, right? Maybe these vases are worth a lot of money. You never know. Sometimes people have very, very fancy vases. So I don't know what these look like, but they could be worth something and you could put that money elsewhere. Yeah. And you're so right with if you're giving gifts, if you buy someone flowers just at the grocery store and you put it in a nice vase and give it to them, it looks like so much nicer of a gift. And and then they don't have to put them in water. So you can definitely use them as gifts. I would also ask, like, where are the vases in your house? Like, are mm-hmm. they on a shelf? Like, are they acting as decor in your kitchen or or like a china cabinet, or are they just in a box somewhere, like under your sink tucked away? Because if they literally have no utility, then like you said, Kelly, maybe keep one for the odd time you're given flowers. Yeah. Um, Try to use them. Be like, I'm going to go out and buy flowers for these vases. And then if you're like, oh, I don't want to spend the money on flowers or I don't replace the water and flowers enough. They die quickly. Then it kind of makes you realize, oh, I'm not the person who needs vases because I don't buy flowers. So it's not really relevant to me. That's a really good point. Oh, yeah. If you have a vase, put some flowers in one of them. Put them on your kitchen table. I've learned since living in this new space that I really enjoy that putting out flowers just for myself. Sometimes we don't do things for ourselves. Just get some flowers for ourselves, put it in a vase and enjoy it and see if you enjoy it. I find that it really adds to the environment, makes me feel a sense of calm, makes me happy. It's that subconscious, right? Like that environment gives you that feel. So try it out, see if you like it. It's just another way to use that item and see if you actually just want to keep it. Right. So that's a really, really, really good tip. So the next question is going to probably be a lengthy response. It's quite the question. And it's something that we have touched on in the past, but I think we should dedicate an entire episode to this one day. Uh, So interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So the question, so the response to what do you find difficult letting go of this individual said friendships that no longer serve you 
you know, how to cut the core, but not be rude. Great question. Thank you for submitting it. So I was thinking, Lauren, you know, I was really, really diving into this question. I was like, I need to step back and really think about this. So sometimes with friendships, we naturally drift apart, you know, there, we go in different directions, you know, or the friendships can be one-sided and we can be less interested in hanging out around certain people. You know, maybe we're in different stages of our lives. Maybe one person is having a family. The other person is still single and vice versa. And you feel like you can't relate to each other anymore. Or maybe you've recently stopped drinking, but all of your friends are big drinkers and that's what they do to hang out with each other. And so you're trying to seek kind of a new community. And Or maybe you have a friend who's going through a really difficult situation and you feel like all of their baggage is just thrown on you and it's just overwhelming and you feel like there's this negative energy on their end that's impacting you. So you just feel like you don't want to be a part of their lives anymore. You know, I think we've all had these feelings before about friends. It's like, oh, you know, they're they're kind of in a new stage and I feel like I don't relate or, you know, I, I don't want to do the things that they want to do or I feel like I'm just here to be their source of empathy and I feel like I can't talk about anything in my life. You know, we've all been in those situations. For me, the the approach that I've taken, and and it's it's the approach that I've personally taken because I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I try to resolve things as much as I can. I try to see the best in people. So, for example, one, you know, if you're going through, uh, you know, if you if some person's having children and you're single, maybe you can try to find a common ground, something else that you guys can relate on. And maybe you can communicate that you feel left out sometimes, like maybe all your friends or have families and kids and you kind of feel left out because you feel like you can't really add to the conversation, express that to them. And for the second example, in terms of not drinking, you can tell your friends like, hey, I'm on this health kick. You know, I, I don't want to drink as much anymore, but I'm like, I'd love to do other activities with you. Maybe we can go for a walk. Maybe we can go do this fitness exercise together different things that maybe you can do together. Maybe they'd be open to, you never know. You just have to ask the question. You know, I've, I've had, I have guy friends who are like, oh yeah, I don't hang out with those guys anymore because they're just, all they do is drink. It's like, have you ever asked them, Hey, do you want to go to do a fitness class together? No, I haven't asked them that. Well, maybe you should communicate because maybe they, that's another side to them that you're not aware of because you're just used to drinking with them. And then the third example was if someone is throwing their baggage on you, maybe that person that's doing that is unaware of it. So communicate as communicate how you feel when you speak with them. Just be like, hey, like I feel like every time we talk, you're just kind of throwing your problems and it's actually affecting my energy and putting me in negative state. And I'm happy to be there for you, but I also want to be able to talk about fun things and positive things. And I want to share a few things about my life with you. So for me, the response to this is really communicate as much as you can and see if you can find solutions. But sometimes people just want to continue the way that they are and, and, and or they maybe won't be very accepting of what you're saying. And that's when you know to just slowly drift. For me, I would make it more indirect and I would just, you know, reach out less, slowly pull away. And that's just my way of things. But maybe if you're a more direct person, you can say, and I've heard this, 
people have said, hey, like, I just don't feel a connection with you anymore. It's like a breakup. It's a friend breakup. It's like a relationship breakup. People break up all the time. You can tell them, like, I just don't feel like we want to do the same things anymore. I feel like we've drifted. And you can communicate that to a friend. I know it's hard. Just like a breakup, it's hard. But sometimes that can be a relief because sometimes some relationships can be overwhelming. And so there is that sense of relief that you gain. But I really, really suggest trying. But I'm so curious what your thoughts are, Lauren. Yeah, no, that's amazing what you just said. I love that you like you always like give them the benefit of the doubt and communication is key because maybe like with the a lot of my friends got married and had kids before me and most of the time they kind of want to get out of the house and like grab a drink or do a yoga class and like, you know, have those meaningful friendships outside of their family. So, you know, voicing that and, and yes, they're busy, but maybe being the one to reach out Mm. is really important. And the communication thing is key. Like why are, why is the friendship no longer serving you? And you went through all of those points and then, you know, sitting down and addressing it with them, I think is so important because maybe you guys could come to a reasonable ground and still continue that friendship, especially if it's a long friendship. Mm-hmm. This is also where therapy helps mm-hmm. because it it allows you, what I've learned in therapy too, is that like, I've learned about boundaries. Kelly would always talk about boundaries and I was like, what is she talking about? Oh. But now, now I understand them. And the beauty of boundaries is that you have control over friendships. So maybe you don't like love hanging out with someone one-on-one. You don't have that much fun, but you like don't mind seeing them in social settings. So it's like, okay, I'm going to be friends with them. And that's the boundary. You see them when you go out with a group of people. And then it's more of like a group interaction as opposed to maybe you just can't, you find it hard to carry on a conversation one-on-one. So it's setting that boundary. I know for myself, I'm like you, Kelly, I would never just like sit a friend down and be like, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. Like, I feel like that would be uncomfortable. I like you, I would be more indirect. I would just be more busy until things kind of faded, but you have to find what's right for you. Like you said, if you are more direct, maybe that's a good approach, but yeah, I think that's key. Like communication, trying to see if maybe you can fix it or whatever issue you're having setting a boundary, seeing if there are certain situations where, you know, you do so want to see that person or they are still beneficial to your life. And then the third, if they really aren't just kind of letting it naturally fade and being more busy, there's definitely been times throughout my life where I'm hanging out with someone and I'm like, Hmm, like this isn't that much fun. Yeah. Like I'd rather just be at home reading. Yeah. As we get older, our, we don't have as much time like people get married they have families you know you have careers we're just more tired we just don't have as much energy in our our 20s and our teens so like hanging out with friends and those social interactions are so important you really want to make sure that you're having fun and you're like you know rested after and revitalized after if they're dragging you down and then you have to go back to work or go back to your home duties that's where you have to question like is this worth it to me so finding those friends who like light you up and like give you energy is, is important. So I guess it's asking yourself the question every time you meet a friend, like, how do I feel after this engagement? Does this friend make me feel good? Do I feel just like in relationships when we're dating? Like, do, does it make me feel, do I feel like my best self when I'm around this person? Do I feel 
less energetic, kind of worn out every time I see this person and ask yourself how you want to feel. And that will help you identify the people that you should be spending less time with and the people that you should be spending more time with. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of us, we, some of us, we grow up with best friends since our childhood and we feel like we have to keep those friends because we've known them forever. And a lot of people have been talking about this. It's like, you don't need to keep those friends in your life just because you've known them since you were a toddler. Ask yourself the question again, try communicate as much as you can with that person before you let them go, because you never know what's going on in their mind, right? They might be unaware of how you feel, or they might be aware of how you feel and they're taking advantage of you. So you never know. So then you'll know when to move forward or to step away. So again, great question. And um, I think it's probably relatable for a lot of people listening right now. Oh, for sure. And if there is an issue in the friendship and you address it and they don't care to fix it, then it's like a real issue. But if you like address it and they're like, I'm sorry, like, thank you for telling me and you work it out, then like maybe that is a real friend. And Mm -hmm. like I said, especially if it's a long-term friendship. So yeah, no, it is really interesting. It's And it's so different from relationships because relationships, like you have to be like, sorry, I have to end this. I want to go find someone else. But like friends, it's like, why can't you be friends with me? Like you can't have like a few friends. So it's like, it is, it's like such a touchy subject. (laughs) That's true. It's like, why can't you have one more friend? Like you're going to find another one. You're going to go replace me. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you'd rather sit at home and look out the window than like hang out with me. It's like, yeah, I would. (laughs) (laughs) That would be the ultimate diss if you told someone. I know. I'm like, I'd rather be alone. (laughs) or maybe they'd be flattered they'd be like oh I know you so like I get that (laughs) well that's true that's true like I get it when you you tell me oh I don't feel like going out tonight like I get that sometimes you just don't want to and you just want to recover and I I remember we were in LA and we were ubering somewhere and you started talking and I'm like oh I need to listen to a YouTube video and not speak now and you're like okay (laughs) yeah I understand. It's just like so normal, (laughs) but I get so drained with social stuff that I need to just not speak for a bit. Totally. I get that. You know, I'm, would you say you're an introverted Lauren? I fill my cup by being by myself, but I I don't like being by myself all the time. Like, yeah, like I've done stand up comedy. I don't know if introverts do that. Like I'm kind of extreme both ways. But I I would consider myself an introvert in that I get my energy from being by myself. And I know you get your energy from being with people. I do. It's unbelievable. I I just get so energetic after I meet with people. But that being said, I still need to fill my cup and have that alone time. So it's interesting. We're both like introverts, extroverts. Yeah. It's because sometimes I'm out with people. I'm like, oh, I have a lot more energy now. And other times I come home and close the door and just like take a sigh of relief. I'm like, I don't have to talk anymore. (laughs) (laughs) There's always an escape to the bathroom, right? If someone's in a social situation, you always go to the bathroom for five minutes just to get away and then refresh. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Even I've done that. Like sometimes I'm like, I get so much energy from people, but sometimes I'm like, I get too energetic and I'm just like, okay, I need to cool down. (laughs) Oh my God, that's never happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's so funny, so different. So the next question we received is another area that people have uh, difficulty letting go of. So this person asks, says, clothes I know I don't like, but I know I need things to wear. So basically... They have a ton of clothes that they don't like, but they're like, oh, I can't get rid of it because I need clothes to wear uh, and I need more time to create better a better wardrobe, this person says. So 
this is your forte, Lauren. Mm-hmm. Uh, but w- what I was going to suggest is that we recommend around 25 to right, 35 pieces of clothing per season, Lauren, like fall, winter, spring, summer. And I suggest you re- review all of your items as you may have a lot of clothes to choose from. And I bet you that within your wardrobe, there are some items that you really do like and that fit you. So I would recommend trying on your clothes, making sure they fit number one and create three piles, donate or sell, recycle or let go and a key pile. The key pile will include all of your favorite pieces. This way you can let go of the items that you don't enjoy wearing and make better use of the items that you do feel good in. So that's my recommendation. But my bigger recommendation is to check out Lauren's closet course because you can definitely help her create a better wardrobe. Yeah, no, this is a great question. I love hearing questions like this. So I want you to ask yourself, why do you not like your clothes? Because that will help you get clarity. Is it because your clothes don't fit? Are they not in good condition? Are they not your style? Maybe you actually do like the piece of clothing. It just doesn't look good on you or it doesn't fit you properly or it's not comfortable. Or maybe you are really comfortable in it, but you don't like the way that you look in it. So understanding what you don't like about your clothing will help you create a better wardrobe. And I'm going to give you an example. For myself, I have learned this year that I love to work in a pair of comfortable jeans and a warm sweater. Mm. And I had a lot of like blouses and I loved the idea of wearing a pretty blouse while I was working, but it just wasn't that practical. I would always get a little bit cold or I was a little bit uncomfortable after like eight to 10 hours in it. So I really realized that you know, having like a few nice sweaters and a comfortable pair of jeans, I can get ready so quickly on the weekdays. And I know exactly what I love about them. So if I had sweaters that I didn't like, but I liked wearing sweaters, I would know to invest in sweaters that I do like that are still comfortable. So it's just really getting clear with what you actually need and what you like wearing. And then kind of fixing those details of them. So again, and just working with people one-on-one and coaching them with their closets, I've learned that people, there's a lot of things in their closet they want to like. It's Mm. like, oh, I have this pretty dress. I want to like it, but it doesn't really fit or it's not really comfortable or I don't have anything to wear it to. So they actually like the piece. It's just not practical to their life. Right. Or they have like a sweater. It's like an ugly sweater, but it's so warm and comfortable that they wear it all the time. But they're like, I don't like my clothes. They're like, I don't like the way I look in them. Yeah. So it's like find the in-between, find the clothes that are comfortable and that you're going to wear consistently, but are also ones that you like. Like that's where you've like, you can strike the perfect balance. But a lot of people don't pay attention to these details and they just constantly buy or just wear the old comfortable stuff. So it's figuring those details out that can help you refine your wardrobe down and wear your stuff consistently and actually like it. Mm, This is such good advice. I love it. Oh, you're, Thanks. you're so good at this now. You've been, you've been teaching this course for what, uh, over a year now? It's incredible. Almost a year. It was March last year that I read Amy Porterfield on digital courses Yeah, in Florida. Cause I'm going to Florida soon, but, um, yeah. And, and I, I've learned so much and even about myself and tweaking my own wardrobe. Like I was like, 
Hmm. I I get that now. That's why I don't wear that top. <laughs> so yeah. another little tip I want to give our audience just because I've recently learned this and I don't know if you do it. Do you wear a little t-shirt under your sweaters? Like if you have like a cashmere sweater or like an, a wool sweater, would you wear a little t-shirt under it? Uh, most of the time I do. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know this. Oh, I never I, I did. Do. Yeah. And then I would have to wash it pretty often because mm-hmm. like I didn't wear anything under it. And then it, it sometimes it wouldn't wash properly, but it was expensive to get dry cleaned. So I started wearing a t-shirt under my sweaters and I'm like more comfortable. I'm warmer. I can go so much longer without washing them. So if you don't do that already, highly recommend. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I, you know what? That never crossed my mind, but it's so true. I rarely have to wash my sweaters because I have t-shirts under them. It's so yeah. interesting. Yeah. I never wore t-shirts and I just, I don't know why I didn't. It just never occurred to me. I love to layer. I don't like wearing heavy, big uh, winter coats in the winter. So what I do is I just do layers. So I'll do the t-shirt with the sweater, with a scarf, and maybe a vest, as you call, like Lauren, you always make fun of me. It's the trucker vest. But that, I, I love that look. That's just my sporty look, I That's guess. That's smart, though, because I feel like yeah. even when we're out walking and it's freezing cold here, I'm like bundled up so big and you're like in like a cute coat. So yeah, the layering smart. And layering, I think, actually keeps you warmer than just wearing like one or two big things. It totally does. I, I love Uniqlo and I love Lole. Have you heard of those brands? Yeah, I'd like both of those. Unicoat, yeah, yeah, for for just nice vests and just oh, like a, I have a few fleeces as well. So you put the vest and then the fleece on top with the scarf, you're fine. Zero degrees, yeah. you're 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 on your way. Um. So, anyways, <laughs> the next question I love. So the next question is an area that that someone has trouble with is kitchen stuff. Kitchen stuff I might need, you know, those maybe items. The Minimalist actually just came out with an episode. I believe it's called No Junk Rule. And they touch on kitchen stuff. Uh, Joshua talks about how in his kitchen, he doesn't have a lot of stuff that's out on his countertop. So people don't think that he cooks, but he actually cooks almost every single day. It just goes to show you don't need all of that stuff out in the open to show that you are someone who enjoys the kitchen space and enjoys cooking. And they talk about how if you have a lot of stuff and you're like, oh, but there's so many like items like I don't use often, but maybe I will one day. They talk about the the spontaneous combustion rule, which is ask yourself if this item were to spontaneously combust, would you replace it? And if you wouldn't, then you'll probably don't need it. So that, I think that's such a good and helpful question. And I recommend that if you have appliances that ha- you haven't used for over a year, donate or sell that item. You know, if maybe you need it once a year, you can borrow it from a friend or maybe, yeah, you can donate some appliances to your family or your friends. And you can say, Hey, do you mind if I use that once a year or something like that? They might be open to it, right? Maybe someone could get way more use out of it. And we also, we've talked about this in the past. We also suggest only keeping items in your kitchen that you use on a daily or weekly basis. So, you know, those items that you use weekly or biweekly keep behind cupboards and those you use every day, you can keep on the countertop. Like Laura and I have our coffee machines out on the coffee on the countertop because it's something that we use every day. It's a daily ritual in the morning. And so that's something that's out. My parents, for example, they use a toaster every single day. For me, 
I never use my toaster. I use it maybe every couple of months. So it's in storage because it doesn't need to be in my kitchen because I don't use it that often, right? And so also if you don't entertain very often, but you have so many excess kitchen utensil utensils and plates and cups and mugs, ask yourself, like, do I really need this out? If I don't entertain, if you have a little storage area, put those extra things in storage. If you know that you do entertain maybe once a month or something, but if you don't entertain at all, I just recommend having two sets, you know, depending on how many people live in the house, two sets is like, you know, four forks, two, four, four, four spoons. Maybe that's one set. But for me, I only have one set. But yeah, like sometimes people have so many mugs and so many plates and it's just two people living in the home and it's like you only entertain every two months. So put those extra things away so you don't have to look at them every day. You know, there's all these, when I think of excess utensils, Lauren, I think of, you know, like stir spoons, serving spoons, ladles, graters, garlic presses, can openers, ice cream spoons, all those extras. So for me, those items I don't use on a, a weekly or bi-weekly basis. So I actually put them in a little box that I have under my kitchen sink so that it's not out in the open every day. And it's my way of hiding that stuff for whenever I need it. It's great. That's so true. There's so much stuff in the kitchen that you like buy and use once and then totally. you're like, oh, I don't really need that. Um, I said this before in the past questions, but try to use it. If you yeah. actually try to use the item, it will answer a lot of questions. So like if you have a crock pot and you're like, oh, I don't know, I might, maybe I'll use this one day, bring it out, look up a recipe yeah. and try to use it. And if you're like, well, I don't know any recipes and I don't want to look for recipes and I don't want to wait eight hours for something to be ready. Mm. It's like, well, then there's your answer. Like it's no yeah. longer a maybe. You've just answered that you're not going to use it. I always like wanted to be a smoothie girl, like that I like made my smoothie for breakfast, but every time I made them, they were gross and I don't really like protein powder. And I was just like, it's not going to happen, Lauren. Like you don't need a blender. <laughs> So it's like, again, it's like these like idealistic lifestyles that we imagine that's like, oh, I'm going to slow roast a, a roast on Sunday for eight hours, but then our like crock pots like dusty in the corner and we haven't used it. In yeah. So it's figuring those out. Another I'll have, I forget the name of the girl I'll have, we can put the video in the show notes, but she recommended taking a post-it and actually putting expiry dates on things. So like whether a month or three months, and then you can be like, you have to use it by this time or you have to get rid of it. Wow. Yeah, that's smart, really cool. eh? Oh, that's really smart. And I was thinking like food expires, like food has a date on it. It's like you use this, you eat this by this date or you have to get rid of it. Yeah. So it's like, why don't we do that for more of our possessions? It's like you have mm -hmm. to use it by this date or it's gone. Like you have to get rid of it. It's no longer useful. So yeah, I would say those are my biggest points. You can kind of store it for a certain amount of time. See if you use it, if you even yeah. end up going to get it. But yeah, just if you just try to use it, it will answer a lot more questions. I would always like make recipe lists of things I wanted to try and they would get out of hand. Like they would get so big and I'm like, maybe you should make some of these recipes. I'm like, no, they're too hard. And I don't know some of those ingredients. I'm like, well, then take them off the list. Yeah. <laughs> so it's you get a lot more clear with yourself when you force yourself to use stuff. 
I like how you pointed out, I'm not a smoothie person. I'm not going to use this blender. I don't need a blender that's sitting on my countertop. I don't, I'm not going to use it every day. I like that you were asking yourself those questions and just being realistic. So I'm the opposite. I love a blender. I keep it. I have this beast blender. It's a minimalist blender that's out on my countertop because I use it every day. But I used to have a kettle out on my countertop every day because I was like, oh, well, sometimes I'll make tea, but I'm not really a tea person. And I never, I I never make tea. I maybe make tea once every three months or two months. And I realized that on my Nespresso maker, you can just pour hot water from the Nespresso maker without the Nespresso. So I use that as my kettle, or you can just heat up water in a pot. It's something that a lot of people still do. So Yeah, no, for sure. I I didn't know you could do that with Nespresso. I should start doing that when I make my teas. See, I'm a tea girl. I make a tea every single day. So I have the kettle out, but I'm a wannabe smoothie girl. Even you saying you make smoothies. I'm like, I I should make smoothies. (laughs) I should just go buy one for the odd time I get the urge. (laughs) And every time you say that you drink tea, I'm like, oh, I should be drinking tea. I am Dutch. My Oma's like, oh, you never drink tea. My oh my drink. It's her ritual. She loves her tea. I love a tea. I yeah. I drink it every day. Yeah, it's like it is a ritual to me. Actually, my my oma. I I recently saw her in Calgary, and it's so cute. She has her evening ritual. She has a tea and a little specula cookie. It's the cinnamon oh. cookie, and it just reminded me of you. She likes to curl up to, you know, watch TV and just have her tea and her little cookie, her little routine. It's so adorable. That's so funny. I know. Because you're the same. Like you love to have your evening ritual. It's cute. So the next question is gifts from my children. That's something I have a really big difficulty letting go of is receiving gifts from my children. So my recommendation is review the gifts that they've gifted you today and ask yourself, will I use or maybe wear this item? And will my children notice if I sell or donate it? Again, the gift is in the act of giving. I know it's your children and you think, oh, they're going to know if I got rid of it, but they might not. Also ask yourself, can I be honest with them that I appreciate the gifts, but I've decided to sell or donate them? Can I just tell them? You know, your children may just understand, especially if they know that you're working to live more intentionally right? If they they know that that's your goal, maybe they'll be less disappointed. And also to save yourself from receiving more gifts from them, let them know in the future, communicate to them now that you don't need more things and that maybe you just want quality time with them and experiences with them that maybe don't even cost anything that you can build more memories together. You never know how someone's going to react. And sometimes we can build so much anxiety inside of ourselves like, oh my gosh, I can't get rid of that. But your family member might or your kids might not actually care. They they just want you to be happy. Or remember what they gave you anyways. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I think it's really important. Like I, I'm trying to think like if I gave my mom something and she got rid of it, I wouldn't care. But I also would be like, moving forward for your birthday and Christmas and Mother's Day, which I do anyways, I'm, I ask them, like, what would you like so that I'm not giving them something that they have to just give away? And as a parent, you probably don't want your kids wasting their money anyways. So it's like, if you're going to get me a gift, like, let's go out for dinner together. Or let's do something together. Or like, this is specifically something I would really like on my birthday. 
But yeah, if it's past staff, we are not using it. I, I don't think it would bother them if you donated it. And then again, just make sure you're getting clear with gift exchanging in the future so that this doesn't yes. constantly happen. Yes. Yes. You know, it's that communication that sometimes we just forget. And and maybe your kids will be relieved. It's like, oh, I don't need to give her gifts anymore. Yeah, no, for sure. I remember one Christmas I got my mom this like expensive face mask. Yeah. And I found it like a year later and it was expired. And I was like, oh, I should have just asked her if this is something she would have liked. Cause totally. I would have used this. <laughs> but yeah. it's just it, it's hard to know what people want. You think you're doing something nice and it's just not something that they really get around to using or need. We've joked around this on the in the past on the podcast, but it's hard to even know what we need. Like people buy stuff they don't need, let alone what other people need. So, mm -hmm. so true. Also, little things go a long way for most people. You don't need to buy expensive things to impress someone. You know, even just for my mom, I know like just giving her a call is so much more than receiving a gift. Just that sense of connection, just that time together. So, so something to think about. Yeah. So the next area of questions, so the question that we put out was, what is one area of excess that you're working on but feel stuck? And the first response was continually buying new clothes because they no longer fit. So someone's having an issue with constantly buying clothes because the clothes are not fitting. So I thought I would pass this on to you, Lauren. Yeah, this is a great question too. And a lot of people struggle with this, myself included. There's a few things that you can do. Number one, I, I do highly recommend buying a pair of pants that fit you today. It is important to feel good today to get dressed that have clothes that fit you today. Mm. Maybe you plan on getting back down to where you were. Maybe you don't. If you do, then you could buy something at a lower price point or buy something secondhand. But it, it is important to purchase an item to make sure that you have clothes for today. And nowadays, like fashion is so, it, we have so much variety with fashion. So mm -hmm. things like flowy tops, flowy dresses, cute sweaters, where it kind of gives you that leeway of 10 to 20 pounds that you can't really tell or that it still fits you. You know, things like wrap dresses or wrap tops or dress pants that have a bit of an elastic in them, jeans that are have more cotton in them. They just give you a little bit more flexibility. As women, our weight fluctuates sometimes monthly. And then just life stress, like things happen where our weight fluctuates. And it's important to, you know, get up and put on something that you feel good in every day. And I feel like if your clothes don't fit and then you end up just wearing sweatpants and you feel bad about yourself and it like mm -hmm. can further perpetuate the problem. So if you your clothes don't fit, buy a pair of jeans that fit. This is not an ad and I'm not pushing this on anyone, but Amazon Basics has really nice jeans. They're like mostly really? cotton. Yeah. And they're very comfortable. I'm actually wearing the pair right now. Yeah. So and they're not expensive. I think they were like $40, but and they definitely have give. So if you were like bloated or like on your cycle, they're just, you know, you can still order a pair. They come quickly. They're not that expensive. And at least you have a nice pair of jeans in. They have them in boot cut and skinny, but at least you have a nice pair of jeans that you feel good in. And then if you get back down, you get into your other clothes, or if not, then you still have, it's still easier to get dressed today. So flowy tops, flowy dresses, wrap clothes, just make sure you purchase something that you can wear right now. And yeah, those are my biggest recommendations. We're all human. Don't get down on yourself. It happens yeah. to everyone. 
And like even investing in like a, a nice flowy blouse or dress that you can wear whether you gain or lose weight will still feel like you're not wasting money. So that's just, great responses. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm you. learning so much right now. I have a few items that I wear around that time of the month. You know, it's kind of stretchy. And I love the idea of having stretchier items that you can. Yeah, that's so smart. Yeah. Also, I've been looking for a new pair of jeans. So that's. Oh, amazing. try them out. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're really comfortable. I was actually recommended from a girl that I was coaching for her closet. She recommended it to me. I was like, that's so funny. Oh, um, that's But awesome. they're, they're amazing. Yeah, the same thing happened to me. Like I put on a little bit this year and my jeans were too tight. And then I started wearing leggings every day. I'm yeah. like, oh, well, I'll just wear my leggings. And then I was like so sad every day just wearing <laughs> leggings. And I'm like, Lauren, just buy a new pair of jeans. Who cares? And like, and they're so comfortable. I'm like, I'm so glad I did that. Now I feel dressed up and put together again. And I'm more motivated to like go for my walk and stream a workout because I feel good. Yes. You don't yeah. want to be in super tight jeans and not feeling good about yourself. No. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. gosh. It stresses me out more. It makes me eat. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you seen the movie Eat, Pray, Love? I have. Oh, not in a while, though. Oh, my gosh. So it stars Julia Roberts. And there's a scene where she's in Italy. She's traveling around and she's eating pasta and pizza. And her jeans are getting a little bit tight. And her friend's like, let's get new jeans. And they get, you know, a little bit a size bigger. And she feels so much more comfortable in herself, right? Like, we're, we get so hard on ourselves. Okay, we, we got to fit into these. It's like, no, just like, just relax. You know, you'll, this is just a vacation. You'll get back to where you need to be. So don't worry too much about it. But, you know, we've all, we've all been there with the bloating, especially where you feel so uncomfortable. And so I tend to, like you, Lauren, be in, in tights all the time. And so, but I know what you mean, putting on a pair of jeans, you feel more put together and, and maybe, um, just, you know, dressy pants for work. It, it feels good. So thank you, yeah, uh, yeah. listener, for the question. Yeah. And this is so funny, but there are sometimes I'm like in a bad mood. I'm like, oh, it's because of this or this. And I'm like, or maybe it's because your pants are too tight. And then I'll change them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it was. That's oh. why I was in a bad mood. <laughs> so like it's a big, it's a really big thing wearing clothes that are uncomfortable. Like that is my number one rule when it comes to your closet and fashion. I mean, if you're going out for a couple of drinks, maybe you could wear like a skirt or something that's not as comfortable. Yeah. But for your day to day, like make sure it's comfortable. Cause you'll be mean to people. <laughs> exactly. You never know. Like it's, it yeah. could be something completely different, as you said. So, so the funny. next so the next question is I find it hard to let go of clothes that I know I don't wear, but they still have lots of life to them. So I recommend again selling or donating these items. I guarantee that you're gonna feel a helper's high knowing that others can get use out of your items and that they can live on because they do have a lot of life to them. And, you know, if you keep them and don't use them, they'll end up taking space in your place or collecting dust. And ask yourself this question. This is a question I ask myself all the time when I'm like, oh, like this clothing piece is nice, but I, I know I'm not going to wear it, but it has a lot of life to them. I say, okay, well, what is the cost of storing? It's taking up space in my place. I don't like that. Number two, it takes up both physical and mental space because I have to look at it. So these are just questions to think about. But Lauren, what do you recommend here? Yeah, I the thing is if you're buying clothes and you're not getting much wear out of them, 
then you're not shopping properly. And and I mean that honestly, like if you're buying dresses or pants or sweaters and, you know, two years later, they're in perfect condition because you didn't wear them, then Mm -hmm. you're just, you need to shop a bit better and figure out what you actually need and what you're actually going to use. And, you know, you said in it, it's the clothes still have a lot of life out of them. Well, that's great. So those are, if you know you're not going to use it, those are the best ones to donate because the person who's getting them next, actually, that's the best stuff to sell too, because it's still in good condition. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, it has a lot of life in it. Go on and give it that life and then make smarter shopping decisions in the future. Really make sure you know what you need. It fits, you like it, where are you going to wear it to? What are you going to wear it with? All my shopping questions. Mm -hmm. Force yourself to wear those items. (laughs) Yeah, because you'll be like, okay, yeah, it's like you have to wear that. It's like, I'm not wearing that. It's like, it doesn't fit me. It's uncomfortable. I don't have anything to wear it to. Yep. It's a really, Mm -hmm. it's a really, really good challenge to put on the clothes where you're like, oh, you know, they're so nice, but I never wear them. Wear them. See if you actually like them. See if they fit right, all these things. I've done that and I made it so much easier to let go of those items. So true. So true. I've learned too with myself, which I, I said earlier, but I want to wear more comfortable things through the week when I'm working. And then on the weekends, like if I'm going out for drinks or meeting friends for lunch, I like to look a little bit cuter and in a blouse or something, even if it's not something I have to wear for 12 hours. So getting clear with things like that can, because maybe it's like, oh, I don't wear that top because it's not comfortable. Well, would it be comfortable for two hours at a dinner? Oh, yeah. Okay. I I could do that. It's like body suits. I can't wear body suits to work, but I can wear them to like a, you know, a dinner or an event. Absolutely. Cause bodysuits are a little uncomfortable. I learned, I went to work one day in a bodysuit and after eight hours I was like, I got to get out of here. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I learned the hard way on bodysuits, but I can wear them with jeans and heels and a blazer. If I'm meeting someone for a few hours. I recently had a pair of black jeans taken in a little bit at the bottom and <laughs> I put them on the other day. They're so tight and so uncomfortable, but they now look good at the bottom of the jean because they they used to be a little bit um, wide at the bottom. So I got them taken in a little bit and I'm like, gosh, I can't sit in these jeans. Remember that other pair of pants I had, Lauren? There's sometimes I buy pants that I can't sit in. I was like, these are the pants that I wear when I have a pair of heels on and I'm at an event where I'm standing the whole time. Yes. Yeah. And this is what this pant is for, for standing events only. <laughs> like I cannot sit in these pants or I'm going to undo the button. <laughs> yeah. And maybe, and it's, it's knowing that it's like, yeah. you know, if I go to like a work event where I'm walking around, I have to be standing up and I can leave in like a couple hours and it's fine, but it's not something you would sit in at like an office for eight hours. So yeah, no. Yeah. 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 Oh man. I, I went for a dinner in them and the whole time I'm like, I can't wait to get home. I can't wait to get home. I know. (laughs) But when I'm standing, like they're fine. (laughs) So funny. I had a dress like that. I like went out at one time and I told the person, I'm like, um, so we can't sit down tonight. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, standing tables only. (laughs) I was single. It was very important to me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. So the next response we received from this question is just in case items. So we briefly covered it earlier on this episode, but I know this is an area where people get stuck with just-in-case items. So again, ask yourself, 
What is the cost of storing these items if they were to spontaneously combust? Would I replace it? Is it inexpensive? Can I buy it in the future? Can someone use it now? And then I can just buy that item again in the future when I need it. Something to really think about because we sometimes keep all these items or we're like, oh yeah, maybe I'll use it again in two years. Well, other people could maybe use it every day. So give it to them. And then when you need it, just buy that item because usually it's probably not that expensive, especially if it's like a utensil or something like that, or some type of like a serving spoon or something like that, or a kneading device for kneading bread when you only make bread once every few years. And again, can you give it to a family member and maybe you can borrow it in the future? And also, I find that just in case items come up a lot when I'm traveling, Lauren. I'm always like, okay, well, I'll bring this just in case. And then I thought to myself, no, what you need to do is ask yourself questions before your trip. Ask yourself, okay, so what am I going to go do on this trip? Am I going to be going out on the town? Am I, do I have to get dressed up? Am I going to be exercising on this trip? Then you can figure out what shoes you need. For example, I was just in Calgary. I'm like, okay, it's cold there. I'm probably going to go out twice, but it's also super laid back there. So I don't need a pair of heels, but maybe I could use a booty. So I brought a booty and I brought a runner and a snow, snow boot. And then when I got there, I realized that I can wear a snow boot when I dress up in the evening. I don't need a booty because it's very relaxed there. So sometimes when you travel, you learn. But I knew ahead of time, okay, these are the three things I'm going to do. I'm going to be walking in the snow. I'm going to be exercising. I'm going to be going to fitness classes. So I'll need a runner. And then I'm going to go out in the town. So I just want a nice little shoe, right? So it's good to ask yourself those questions and also make the decisions ahead of time so that you don't need to make decisions once you're there. So you don't need to bring a just-in-case dress, a just-in-case pair of jeans. Just bring exactly what you think that you'll wear and you'll make it work, you know, because you're bringing less. Yeah, I remember one night I'm like, oh, I brought a skirt and a dressy top. And I was like, no, I can just wear this beautiful turtleneck that I'm currently wearing during the day with a nice pair of jeans and my booties and I'm, I'm fine, right? You just make what you brought work. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I like how you said you figured out everything you do while you're there and what you need. Mm-hmm. I visually walk myself step by step of what I'm doing. Like I'm like, okay, I I get to the airport. What do I do? Oh, I'm going to read. Okay, I got my laptop for my book. Yep. And then I'm going to get on the plane. What Like I might need like my blow up neck pillow or like a little blanket and you know I'm I'm we're arriving there I'm getting ready for bed I need my face wash and you know my pajamas like walking myself through everything can really help you remember stuff but yeah I I would also ask yourself the probability of needing it again like if you say you went like camping in your 20s and you have all this camping stuff and you haven't been camping in 10 years it's like yeah Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to keep it just in case I go camping again. Okay. What's the probability of you going camping again? Yeah. Oh, super low. Okay. So then there's your answer. And like you said, you, you can buy it again, you can borrow it, you can rent it. So it's like kind of the cost to store versus the cost of having to rent or replace it in the future. If that hypothetical scenario should happen. Mm-hmm. Well, well said. Yeah. So the next question is, An area that people get stuck on when decluttering is random items in junk drawers and nightstands. So whenever I get this question, I always start by saying, remember, it's called a junk drawer, as you would call it, Lauren, a drunk drawer. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's likely 
all junk and easy to let go of. But oftentimes the junk drawers are our bedside tables. So as this person mentioned, a nightstand. And because sometimes we just throw everything in there, right? I remember growing up, I would always go to my mom's nightstand because I always had anything that I needed. (laughs) I was like, there's mints, there's nail clippers, there's lip chap, like everything. And I, so then I learned this behavior and I would throw books and magazines and random stuff in there. And then I realized, wait, I should ask myself, what is useful to me at my bedside? You know, for me, it's lip chap. I have a sleeping mask. I have a, a, a hand lotion and it's just things that I really need when, you know, I'm going to sleep. Right. And sometimes I have this little sleep mist that I use once in a while, but that's it, you know, and, and for anything else, if you have miscellaneous items where you're like, oh, I don't know where to put this and this. I have one box, which I call my miscellaneous box. I know, Lauren, you have an everything box, which is awesome. And within my miscellaneous box, I have a notebook. I have my bullet journal. I have pens, pencils. I have current important papers that come in the mail that I'm currently having to deal with and work through and some cords for podcasting. And that's it. It's, it's kind of like a bunch of different things. So that's all in one box. And so I specifically have an intentional miscellaneous box. I think a lot of people have these drawers that are full of all this stuff that's just not being used. So remember, like, what do I need? And if it's a drawer beside my bed, what do I need in that moment? And if I have a bunch of random things, can I just create one bin or one drawer for those miscellaneous things? Something to think about. Yeah, it's so true. I feel like, like you said, it, it's good to know what you want that drawer for. Because I think a lot of the times it is that side table drawer or a drawer in the kitchen. Yeah. And it's like, well, you could use that drawer in the kitchen. Like even with a condo, we don't have very many drawers. No. So it's like, I want to use those drawers for like utensils and dishcloths and oven mitts, like things that are relevant to me when I'm cooking, not like old mail and mm-hmm old cards. So, and having that miscellaneous box is key because any other random things you're like, Oh, I need my passport. I need batteries. I need a screwdriver. You'll know, Oh, it's in the miscellaneous box. Cause that's yeah. where I keep all that random stuff, um, that I actually do need sometimes. And like really, you know, being intentional about the drawers, what they're being used for, what you do in that room and finding a new home for it. I have my little drawer of my makeup and products and that's where I keep my hand cream and my lip chop. I don't keep anything next to me at night. Even when I have my own place, I would just, I have my jewelry in my side drawer, like one bracelet. (laughs) And now, yeah, it's, it's Mike's stuff in the side drawer. So I don't even know what's in there. I'm going to have to go through that. (laughs) But the thing is you probably don't use most of it. And like you said, it's like, what what would be beneficial for when I wake up or need mm-hmm. and, and finding a new home for it? Because a lot of the stuff in there, like you could probably put somewhere else and be able to know that you own it and be able to get it faster or actually use it when it's it's necessary. It's really about letting go and then having a home for all the things that you do need and thinking about that, having that in the back of your mind while you're going through your things. And the last question today is... Things I've had forever. So this individual is having difficulty working through letting go of excess notebooks, office supplies, 
And again, just in case items, things that this person thinks that they'll need someday. However, they haven't used yet. So again, recycle or donate them. You may actually have notebooks or calendar books that are outdated. And maybe some of your notebooks have a ton of your journaling. Maybe you have writing in all those notebooks and it's quite private. Just rip it up before you recycle it. And in terms of office supplies, ask yourself, will it cost me that much if I need to buy them again? You know, the dollar store is the best, Lauren. Like I'm obsessed with the dollar store. They have so many great things for so cheap. So you could just buy it again. And maybe you have a friend like me who works from home and they could really use some sticky notes and pencils and pens and maybe a binder or whatever you have in your place. So you never know. You might be able to help a friend out. Yeah. And also you have to remember that we're moving more into a digital society. So things we have digital notes and digital calendars and digital journals. So the more time that goes on, the less likely that you'll probably use them or that you'll even be able to donate them and people will use them. So it's like best to like donate them now when it, it is still relevant. People do still need them. Yeah. I, I was never a big notebook person. I always yeah. just did digital notes. But I, I get it. Like they're pretty. And sometimes it, it's better if you write it in your own handwriting and see mm -hmm. it. But I would always just get rid of them. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, stop buying them, Lauren. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, you can just quickly run to the dollar store and get one for a buck if yes, if the inspiration hit. But yeah, we're, we're, like I said, we're moving to more of a digital society. So just mm -hmm. understand that. Maybe keep your favorite runs and give them to people who can use them. I mean, I'm like, I, I'm different from you. And it says, I still like an analog system. I do like to write notes. I, I like, I like to have a pen and paper near me, but I try not to accumulate the ones that I'm like, not, I'm only using the one that I'm using. Right. And when it's done, it's done and get rid of it. I don't need to keep it. Right. So just something to think about. Again, you probably have some people in your life that might be able to use it. Otherwise donate it and yeah, get rid of it. It sounds like it's taking up a lot of space. So let it go because the space is going to feel so much greater. So true. Oh. So true. Well, next episode, we will get into the responses to our question, ask us anything. So thank you all again today for all of your questions and for all of you for your future questions that we'll share in our next episode. I love these so much, Lauren. It really helps us, you know, engage in conversation about all the little different areas in our lives that we're constantly thinking about. So yeah, no, I love hearing what people are struggling with. And I'm struggling with some of this stuff too. So it's like, totally. even if yeah. I've like found a way to resolve it, it's so nice to share it and be like, here's what I did and, and why it works. So it's nice to try it out. Yeah. And you just by sharing your questions and your experiences, you're helping us as well, right? Like, yeah. This, this lifestyle is imperfectly perfect. We're trying to figure it out every single day as well. And that's, that's the best part of the podcast is like, we're here with you. So I'm looking forward to our next episode and Lauren, let's uh, head out and catch up now. <laughs> we, yeah. we're, I've, I, I just got back from Calgary for a few weeks. And so Lauren and I are going to catch up and uh, then you're off to Florida. Yes. I'm so excited to get out of the cold. We have real winter now. Our mild winter has ended. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited for the sun. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so okay. much. Bye guys. Bye.
Thank you for listening. We hope that our responses have helped you further let go of the excess in your life. And please stay tuned for our next episode releasing in two weeks where we share your questions and our responses to the question, ask us anything. And thanks again to all of you who submitted questions for this episode and our future episode. We really appreciate your engagement and learning more about the areas of access that you are working through. And as always, you can learn more about us on our website at mastersimplicity.com, where you can also find our closet decluttering e-guide and Lauren's incredible closet course to help you keep a simple and organized closet and wardrobe for good. Plus, you can find discounted links to our partners, BetterHelp and Viome. And lastly, if you haven't already, please kindly take a moment to give us a kind five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Your reviews help our podcast grow, and we get so excited to read your words every time a new one pops up. So thanks again for listening, and we will speak with you again in two weeks for part two of this Q&A discussion. Bye-bye.